Welcome to the Stork Storytime Podcast at the North Liberty Community Library. Are you expecting or thinking of starting a family? If so, this podcast is for you. Just as it's never too late to develop a love of reading, it's never too early either. Hello, my name is Jennifer Jordabrek. I'm the Assistant Director at the North Liberty Community Library. I'd like to welcome our guest speaker today, Jean Drulis. She's the director and co-founder of the Mother's Milk Bank of Iowa. Thanks for taking some time to talk with us today, Jean. My pleasure. I appreciate your coming here to the Milk Bank um, to help spread the word about the work that we, we do. Wonderful. Well, we're so glad you had some time to talk with us today. But before we go ahead and start talking about milk banks, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the job you do here at the Milk Bank? Absolutely. Well, before co-founding the Milk Bank, I worked in infant nutrition research um, that involved the term and the preterm infant at the University of Iowa. It was from this work that the Milk Bank initiative was developed. You know, human milk is an infant's first medication. It protects infants from infection and disease, and it is species-specific, easily digested, and optimal nutrition for our infants. Human milk is fundamental for infants. However, for the premature infant, it is critical. It is life-saving. So milk from the mothers who birth preemies often comes in later. So the problem was these infants need to be fed human milk, but their mother is not producing it yet. The solution was to establish a milk bank in Iowa. And that's what we did. Due to the complete generosity of our milk donors, we have a readily available supply of safe donor human milk for infants who need it. Now, a little bit personal about myself, I'm an mm-hmm. Iowa native, born in Burlington. I graduated from the university and remained in Iowa City. I like to say I have four children, John, Julie, Jacqueline, and Milk Bank. <laughs> milk Bank is my youngest. He'll turn 16 in August of this year. And then I have five grands, too, Malachi, Althea, Sanders, Isla, Joseph, and a dog, Hudson. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing some information about yourself. I think it's absolutely fantastic that we have a milk bank in Iowa and right here in Coralville. I did not know that. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I'm so excited to share this information with our listeners. Um, I think it's very important. And again, thanks so much for talking with us today. So you said the Milk Bank is turning 16 this year? It is on August 1st. Okay, that is, that's fabulous. That's um, actually quite a long time that, um, and you founded it. So you've been working here this whole time. That's wonderful. So can you share with our listeners because, um, you know, I have three boys. Um, I nurse them, but I was not aware of milk banks. And I'm sure many um, new and expecting families out there and others listening to our podcast also haven't heard of milk banks. So can you tell us what a milk bank is and, and what it does? Sure. Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, everyone knows about blood banking, mm-hmm. but not that many people still know about milk banking. So we want to get the word out there and, 
and want it to be a household name just like blood banking is someday. And blood banking is our closest relative, so we screen donors just like blood banks do. And we actually, we have national guidelines from the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, and we follow those guidelines, and, and they are based somewhat on um, blood banking guidelines as well. So we, as I said, screen the donors, and then we pasteurize the milk, and then we have it tested post-pasteurization, and all of this a milk bank does. So we're screening, we're pasteurizing, we're having it tested post-pasteurization, and then we're dispensing milk to babies at home and in, in the hospital. And the highest priority is the um, premature infant. Okay. Okay. And listeners, I feel extremely lucky because before we started recording our podcast here, uh, Jean was gracious, gracious enough to take me on a tour of the milk bank. So that was pretty cool. So I got to see the pasteurization room and she kind of walked me through the steps to see what um, all goes into um, this whole process. And it's it's pretty neat. So, so as I was doing some research on this, because I wasn't very familiar with milk banks, um, I came upon the mission of the Mother's Milk Bank of Iowa. Would you be able to share that with our listeners? Yes. So it's our mission is to provide pasteurized donor human milk nationwide to infants in hospitals and at home so they can be fed an uninterrupted human milk diet during maternal milk insufficiency. So in the absence of mother's own, there's donor milk for those babies in, in need. And so we do have the milk bank right here in Iowa, but um, can you explain what milk collection depots are? Yes. So um, a milk depot, milk collection depot, is an agency that's affiliated with the milk bank and they really enhance donor milk delivery and are instrumental for increasing donor participation and donation. The milk collection depots promote, support, and protect the use of donor human milk. And the, the depots monitor the freezer temperatures, um, so the, it safeguards the stability of the milk. And once the milk donor is approved by the milk bank, she can then uh, schedule a delivery to her local um, milk depot. And it, it helps more women to be able to participate if they have some place close by that they can drop off their milk. The other alternative would be to ship it to us and need to be shipped on dry ice. So it's a little more complicated, but we, if there isn't a milk depot in your area, that doesn't mean you can't be a donor because we'll send you shippers and pay the expenses of having it shipped to us. It's just a little more involved and we want to make this process following the guidelines as easy as possible for our, our wonderful milk donors. Okay, great. And so if we have listeners outside of our local area, then they still can participate in receiving donated milk and uh, donating exactly. milk as well. We sure can. We do nationwide. I wanted to mention that we currently have 33 milk collection depots in five states. So there are depots in Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. And we transport milk. Uh, I call it our milk wagon. It's a suburban. <laughs> that, um, In fact, today we were in Rochester at two of the depots there, Rochester, Minnesota, picking up really? um, freezers full of milk there from our depots and, and bringing it back. It'll come back later this afternoon because it's a little bit of a distance. But our rule is if it's five hours um, 
or less one way we travel to that depot and and pick up that milk so we have it in full control it's been frozen we bring it transported in coolers and and bring it back so the the other four are that we don't transport from they ship their milk then to us from those depots but the donors can drop off and then the depots take care and they're all all the depots are voluntary okay um, they're just um, they really um, are another platform for the the milk bank the milk donors and the the depots are both very instrumental in the success of our program oh that's wonderful um so if um a mom is out here out listening uh to our podcast and she would like to request milk mm -hmm. um and if there's a mom out there um, listening who is currently nursing or pumping and, uh, you know, their child is, is wrapping up that um, and they would like to donate, what are what are the steps? How would they go about starting this process? For um, a mom who would like to become a milk donor, she right now we are almost in between our donor coordinators. So I would be the contact person just email me at gene-drulis at uiowa.edu and request pre-screening information. And if you want to order milk from, from us, please call Ann Jurgensen at 319-384-9929. We ship milk Monday, if it needs to be shipped, Monday through Thursday. And if we receive an order by 2 p.m. that day, we more than likely can yet ship it that day and it's ship FedEx priority overnight on dry ice. We discourage Friday shipments because if it doesn't arrive on Saturday, it won't arrive till Monday. The milk will be thawed and mm -hmm. we'll lose that precious milk and nobody wants that to to happen. So only in an emergency will we ship on Friday for keep our fingers crossed that it makes it there on, on Saturday. And usually it does, but um, not always. Sure. And Jean, you just gave out your email and a phone number for contact information. So listeners, um, if you didn't catch that, you can go to their website, which is the uichildrens.org slash mothers dash milk dash bank dash Iowa, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. And that has all of your contact information as, as well as a wealth of information on milk banks. Um, also, this will be linked on our um, SoundCloud account where you're listening to this podcast so you can refer back to that website um, as well if you need that information for later. So what steps does the milk bank take to ensure the safety of that donated milk? There are really four levels of recipient protection. First is the screening of our milk donors for medical and lifestyle risk factors. And then our donor's serum is screened. We test for HIV, hepatitis B, C, syphilis. We also pool and pasteurize the milk. So there's at least three donors in every pool that more evenly distributes the components. And then the pasteurization aims to kill any viruses or bacteria to make it safe for, for all babies. And then on top of that, we send a sample from each batch to the um, hygienic lab who runs a heterotrophic plate count on it. And if there's any bacteria remaining, 
we have to discard that batch. If it's no bacteria, we're clear and able to dispense the milk nationwide. Okay. And as I was reading through on your website, that process that struck me as really interesting was the pooling you said mm-hmm. of the of the milks. So you're combining three to five different mother's milk mm-hmm. into one um, to provide the best quality product then. Right, exactly. And it's it just and, and then we pool back and forth so that the consistency is there. Okay, that's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Is there a priority for babies? Um, who receive this donated milk? Luckily, we have hardly had to prioritize over our entire time of operation. But the couple times that we have, the highest priority would be the hospitalized premature and sick infant, then any, of course, hospitalized baby. And for babies at at home, uh, depending on their medical diagnosis, but if we couldn't provide for one of our recipients, be it a hospital or an outpatient, all of the milk banks um, throughout the nation that are um, affiliated and member banks of the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, we all follow the same guidelines. So we can refer our um, family that or mm-hmm. hospital to another milk bank for temporary um, filling of of their needs until we get our supply back up. And as I said, we've only had to do that a couple times, and I'm grateful for that. But having that backup is, you know, so that there's not ever all of the milk banks out at the same time. So no worries there. Okay, great. Well, and it makes sense that you're, uh, you know, the ones who need it most if you did have to prioritize or Mm -hmm. those who are the most fragile or vulnerable, those most at risk, those premature babies um, as well. So that that really makes a lot of sense. Um, And reading on your website, you said that you do always need milk and are are collecting milk. So um, listeners out there, if you are currently nursing or pumping, you know, and as I said, are are kind of wrapping up that phase, consider being a donor. Um, You can talk with expecting friends about that, family, colleagues, um, you know, once you kind of start looking for the pregnant ladies, it seems like you find them everywhere (laughs) is what in my, you know, case it seems like. So, um, you know, once you kind of start thinking about that or keep that in your mind, that's a nice discussion that you can have with others as well if you yourself um, aren't in a position to do that. So we kind of talked about the screening requirements. Um, you know, So they're going to contact the milk bank um, and you kind of would walk them through some pre-screening information. There was a verbal questionnaire that they would need to, to answer mm-hmm. for you and then um, follow up with a written questionnaire. And then is that correct? Do you contact their health care providers? We do, both for the mom and the the um, infant and they end up signing off that they know of no contraindication or if they do they they tell us about it sure okay and that again is to ensure safety Mm -hmm. for all involved exactly and then you also do a blood test correct as well okay Mm -hmm. and so um women who are breast milk donors um you had some on your website uh some qualifications Basically, would you be able to run through some of those for our listeners? Sure. I wanted to also point out that that the screening expenses are covered by the milk bank. The donors don't have to pay for 
any of the screening related costs. Okay, so it's their time mm-hmm. in pumping. Right, and, which is and, very valuable. Right, and mm-hmm. yep, and that's a lot of time. I mm-hmm. know that. I remember that. So, um, but the milk bank really is, is helping as much as they can to make that as comfortable and easy for the donors as possible. Yes. Okay, great. So um, if you're a mom out there and you're thinking of being a donor, here are some things that um, the milk bank is going to be looking for. Mm-hmm. So the main reason we're, and we can accept stored milk, but we screen for that as well. So milk that's already stored because we're looking for women that have surplus milk. You know, most women may have just enough for their own babies or a little extra, but if you, you have more than a little extra, we would love for you to, to get in contact with us. But we're um, not able to take stored milk um, if the donor was on medication and can't identify when she took it. Um, and, and it's not all medications, it's just some. We have deferral periods that, that vary um, depending on what the medication is. But some medications are not exclusions, like multivitamin, iron, uh, human insulin, thyroid replacement hormones, um, Zoloft, ibuprofen, Tylenol, nasal sprays, asthma inhalers, topical treatments, eye drops, progestin only and low dose estrogen birth control products, and a few more. So, but a multivitamin with an herb combination are um, disqualifiers. uh, And that is because herbal products are not tested and regulated, so their safety is unknown. Usually we can't take milk during that first week of lactation because the donor is just delivered and she's on pain medication. Mm-hmm. Um, other exclusions are use of tobacco or nicotine products, use of illegal drugs within the past 12 months, uh, receipt of a blood transfusion or blood products within the last six months. We do have donors that have had the blood transfusions. We can still screen them. And then when six months comes along, we can then um, have the blood test done after six months. If it's negative, then we can accept the milk that's already stored. And other temporary exclusions are during any acute infection. So we want our donors Mm -hmm. calling us and we're contacting them every, if we haven't heard from them within two months, we'll be contacting them and asking them if they've had any changes in health or, or lifestyle. Um, if you have like a live virus vaccine, like the measles, mumps, rubella is a, is a live virus vaccine, that would be a one month wait. Various live virus vaccines have different wait times. Okay. Um, and we just did a podcast um, on the um, flu shot. And, uh-huh. and so, you know, as one of our topics. And so is that something if the um, nursing moms get a flu shot, are they still able then to donate? Does that count? For the flu shots, even the the flu mist, the live um, flu shot, it's those neither one are exclusions. Okay, so absolutely, you can have your flu um, shots and and continue on donating. Okay, now what if we have the occasion, the mom who would uh, like to enjoy an occasional glass of wine? <laughs> uh, there's some out there. Um, what, what are your guidelines for that? So if yes, and we say if if you do want to have a glass of wine or some other type of alcoholic beverage, just um, wait twelve hours before pumping to donate to the milk bank. Okay, all right, that makes sense too. And um, is there a minimum amount that you're asking the moms to donate? 
We do over the entire time of lactation, we ask for a minimum donation of 200 ounces. It's not like upfront, just as you have it. And it's totally up to the donor how often she wants to donate and when she wants to, oh, okay. to donate. And for some donors, the bereaved donors, there's no minimum whatsoever on that. If they have a few ounces okay. and want to go through the screening, we will be very grateful to have their milk. Okay, okay, that's that's good to know. And 200 ounces may seem like a lot. You might be out there going, oh my gosh, but you know, at the beginning that is a lot, but once you get going and your production and stuff and levels are up there, that really doesn't take that much time. Um, and like you said, if you're exclusively nurse, uh, nursing exclusively or, you know, some combination of that, or, you know, they can do it as, as they're able. Exactly, yes. Okay. And we have no cutoff at the, you know, in the baby. If you're continuing to lactate and pump into the second and third year, we would love to receive your milk. Uh, oh, okay. You're, um, you're completed with that. Okay, that's, experience. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's see. So you're storing your um, milk then. Um, if, if, um, so moms can pump, and if they've stored it already in a freezer, that's okay. You can take previously pumped milk. We can, as long as the screening turns out um, to allow that. And so we ask all sorts of questions in that regard as well. Okay. And we covered that it, it doesn't cost anything to um, donate your milk. Is there a cost if um, you want to receive milk? So we don't charge for the milk itself because it's donated but we do charge a processing fee to recover our costs of pasteurization, of screening the donors for the blood tests, for you know, our transportation to the depots and sure. um, supplies and equipment and, and personnel costs. So um, we do charge processing fee, it's $15 per 100 ml, each bottle has 100 ml. And then for shipping, if, if it's picked up, then there's no additional cost. But if um, if we ship it, it would be at cost of FedEx priority overnight or the overnight shipping cost, plus it's shipped on dry ice. Okay. And, and you mentioned the cost then. So um, if someone's out there listening and they themselves are not able to donate milk, um, they can still, there's other options for them to support and sponsor um, the milk bank. So do, would you want to go through a couple of those different options? Well, we do have um, a Feed a Baby gift account at the foundation. So if, if um, you want to help in that way and want to contribute, you know, it's $15 per bottle. Um, there's information about um, doing that on our, our website and, and all of that would go to, to babies who don't have the, the means to um, pay for, for the processing fee. Okay. Um, so can you explain what casual sharing is? I ran across that. Mm -hmm. and can you share with our listeners what that is? Right. We um, So there are moms that there are websites that um, moms meet up with moms and, and either donate. Um, a mom that has extra milk will donate. Or there are other websites um, or venues, social media, where they're, they're charging per, per ounce um, to the, the families. But 
they're not the the guidelines to follow. It's it's casual. Um, and even ask your questions. neighbor, even your neighbor, you know, yeah. your sister, um, family member, or a total stranger. Okay, um, and then so the Iowa Milk Bank then would still recommend though that we go th- you, they go through that process through the milk bank to donate and to receive because of the pasteurization and just to ensure the safety. Absolutely, the safety of, of the milk. You don't know with, um, I mean, these are moms that are feeding their own babies, but uh, when it comes to actually um, costs, like our donors are donate out of the goodness of their hearts and, and souls. Right. There's no remuneration, exchange of, of money. But when money comes into it, and I'm not saying this would happen, but there could be adulteration of the, the milk. You could add a little bit more to get it up to add something um, else like cow's milk or oh, sure. water and um, to increase the, the amount. Um, also for bacteria, you know, we, we are very careful about the safety of that. And um, you're not knowing the bacterial load of the, and there's good bacteria, but there's also bad bacteria. And so it, mm-hmm. it's really nothing to take lightly. You um, need to be cautious about that. And also, you know, diseases can be transmitted or medications through, through the milk. What might be okay for one mother to be taking may not be okay for the baby of another mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are good, valid points. And as I was reading through your website, um, you know, I saw that you follow the um, guidelines established by the Centers for Disease Control, the Food and Drug Administration, the blood and tissue industry. So you really kind of have all of that. We do. Um, <laughs> taken care of and in the donors and recipients' best interests. So um, I can understand why, do you, why you would encourage people to, to kind of go this more formal route. Um, so if uh, someone's out there and they're a vegetarian or vegan, can they still donate? Yes, they can. If vegetarian, if, if you're a vegan, we just ask if you're taking vitamin B6. And if you are, then no, no problem. And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we kind of, um, if they're taking pain, med- pain relief or cold medications, you know, some of those are over the counter. Again, it's always great to check mm-hmm. on those, but mm-hmm. that would not exclude them from being a donor as well, necessarily. Right. If they were taking a medication like the cold medications or an antibiotic, it would be a temporary exclusion. So okay. while they're donating, they, they'd be in contact with us and say, um, I have to take this antibiotic. Um, I'm going to be, so we get the date they started and the date they finish. Then we establish the wait time by our guidelines. And so we establish a time period that we can't receive their milk. Uh, that doesn't mean that milk can't be fed to their babies because it's being prescribed by their health care providers, just right. that our rules um, uh, and guidelines um, extend beyond that because it's being fed to other babies. So it's just a temporary exclusion. Okay. All right. And uh, how long does it take if someone is out there and wants to donate and go through this process? About how long is it going to take them before they can actually start donating? It. We don't want to push any donors through the process. So if if you once you see the pre-screening information and and you qualify there, we'll want to get you scheduled as soon as we can for that verbal screening. That takes about 15 minutes. And then if all goes well with that, you'll be sent the written screening, 
And, you know, it's up to you then when you can find time in your busy days <laughs> to complete the, the written screen. But once you get it back, we want to turn it around and get it, you know, back to you about getting set up to have the, the blood test. So I would say probably on average two to three weeks. Okay. Um, but not to feel, we don't want any donors feeling rushed if it doesn't fit into their schedule sure, that sure. quickly. We're not going to push you to, to finish up. It needs to be at your mm-hmm. your time. But your freezer space is probably <laughs> yeah, <laughs> calling out. Yeah, you can, can collect them quite, a, <laughs> yeah, quite rapidly. Up, and so you'll <laughs> want to get some of that milk out of your freezer and into ours, and we'd love that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. you have a lot of freezers here, too, as I walked around. you got little different rooms with all sorts of freezers. So it's a really cool process here. I really enjoyed uh, taking that tour with you. And um, that's not something, you know, like when you go on vacation, you take tours of all these different, you know, processing Mm -hmm. plants and stuff. So that's just kind of a neat little... (laughs) little tour I got to take right now. So um, our library, if you're in the area, in the North Liberty um, area, we uh, a couple years ago have um, were the benefactors from Mercy Hospital of Iowa City, and they donated mm-hmm. the uh, locally grown lactation room for us. Wow, so awesome. it is. It's truly awesome. It is a great asset to our library and our mm-hmm. community. It is they designed and built it and the architecture, all of that. Um, Mercy just took care for us. So it was wonderful. It's right in our children's area. So um, any moms who are nursing or pumping can come and still be in the area where perhaps older children might be. But we have room in there. I put grandma, um, brother, mom, and, and baby in there too. And there was still room. So um, any local moms out there, you know, if you're visiting the library or, you know, um, need a place, you can always come. We just check the key out to them and they they go use it and um so that has really been enjoyed by our moms so um i just think that's so great of a you know opportunity mm-hmm. you know you want children and small kids to be in your library and starting them out reading young and um you know you need to kind of provide for their needs um, as well as their literacy needs. So um, the Milk Bank also last year participated in our baby fair. We've rebranded now, and it's the Expo. It's our Stork Storytime Expo. So that's coming up here end of August, and, and Jean's going to be coming again to represent the Milk Bank. So we're excited to have you there and continue sharing this information with the public. I'm very excited, too. I just was... Um, it was such a great experience last year to be an exhibitor, and let me tell you, there are people that, I mean, lots of people that, that come. It's nonstop oh, good. stopping by the, the Milk Bank exhibit. Um, just wonderful, wonderful people. And, oh, that's and great to hear. Inquiring. And I mean, your library was full up. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it was. And actually, we're moving down to the other side of the library in the rec center downstairs this year to give us more room. I can believe um, it. Because we keep growing. We're excited. Last year, we had people at the doors waiting for us to open. Um, <laughs> so it does keep growing, and we're expanding along the corridor. So we have from Cedar Rapids, you know, Marion, all the way down to Iowa City and everybody in between, all of those. We're trying to reach out to as many businesses and organizations, nonprofits, um, so that new and expecting families, also families already with children, because we have screenings available too. All of it's free, and they can just learn about those resources so they can be more confident 
as their parents' mm-hmm. first teacher and kind of get off to that great start. So the milk bank is a wonderful way as well. I think that's a important piece of information, again, many people may not know about. So well, We're delighted to be there. Thank oh, you. For great. That. Well, we're excited to see you in a, a couple months. It's coming yes. up here quick. So before we end today's podcast, Jean, could you share with our listeners, please, a favorite story time memory or book that you either remember being read to or that you enjoy reading to, to your children or grandchildren? Yes. Well, my uh, I have, as I mentioned earlier, five grandchildren and four of them live in Anchorage, Alaska, and they've oh. been with me for the last um, few weeks. And so um, one book particularly stands out right now, and that's especially for Althea, who's seven years old, mm-hmm. and it's called The Magic Locket, and it's by Elizabeth Coda Callan. And it's about a little girl and self-confidence. And by the way, the, the little girl doesn't have a name in the book. So she's oh. either called little girl, she, her, through throughout the book. And she really can't do anything right. For instance, when she dresses herself, the front is always in the back. Oh. When she feeds her dolls, the, the cat gets fed instead with from the spillage. So one day, her favorite Aunt Emma came to for a visit and gave her this tiny golden locket. Shiny, I guess it's a golden locket. And she told her it was a magical locket that if you wear it, it can help you do whatever you want. That is, if you believe in it. So the little girl put the locket on and she held it tightly and said, I believe in you. She did that every day and things began turning out right. She really could do everything she wanted to do. Then one morning she dropped the locket and it opened up and inside was a mirror and she saw herself, of course, in that mirror and she said, it's really me. I'm the magic in the locket. So I gave one of my lockets to Althea and so she wears it and she just clutches that little locket and and went and opens it up and says, I believe in you. It's really sweet. So she just loves that story and and so do I. So that's a wonderful story. Wonderful Mm -hmm. personal story. Thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. with us. I'm not sure if we have that at the library or not, but when I head back I'm checking and and we'll get it if we don't. Um beautiful story and um, personal mm-hmm. story as well exactly so that's yes. and really any it's any girl any mm-hmm. little girl it's mm-hmm. um I like that one it can mm-hmm. is, is applicable to anyone so right. mm-hmm. wonderful story so today in summary um, we learned about the mother's milk bank of Iowa we learned um, many things about it how to become a breast milk donor how to request milk for your baby what um, qualifications if you wanted to donate and uh, the process that that milk goes through to ensure it is is, um, safe and pasteurized for the recipients. Uh, All of this information is available on their website that you can access again after the podcast. Um, Was there any upcoming events that you wanted to mention, Jean? Oh, actually, the the Milk Bank was born, opened during the first week, uh, or during the World Breastfeeding Week, which is always August 1st through 7th. So that is is upcoming this August 1st through 7th. And this year, the um, slogan is Breastfeeding Foundation of of Life. And so all over the the nation, world actually, um, events are, are happening. 
and um, so look locally um, for events in our area and, and wherever you are and see if there's any, there's some latch-on, breastfeeding latch-ons or various other um, venues that happen during that first week, just normalizing breastfeeding and, and celebrating Certainly. Okay, wonderful. That's good to know. I wasn't aware. So August, beginning of August is coming up. And again, if you're local and can make it to the um, Stork Story Time Expo, that's August 26th from 1 to 3 at the library. Come and visit Jean. Uh, find out some more information about the Milk Bank. And um, thanks so much, Jean, for giving me the tour and taking some time to record the podcast with us today. You're very welcome. And thank you for taking the time to come here and tell our story. Appreciate it. Again, I'm looking forward to to seeing you and everyone else um, who can come to the expo on August 26th. Thanks for listening to our Stork Storytime podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. And remember, just as it's never too late to learn early literacy skills and develop a love of reading, it's never too early either.